Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father, from God the Son, and from God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is, as we've been talking about, Holy Trinity Sunday, and it's a day in our church here where we teach and confess and glorify our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all that he has done for us. Three distinct persons. You know, the kids were doing a great job with that, weren't they? Three distinct persons, yet only one God, the God who creates us, the God who redeems us, and the God who sanctifies us. And it's traditionally today on Holy Trinity Sunday where the church uses the third of the three creeds that we regularly confess, the, the beautifully, beautifully written, albeit a little bit longer than usual, Athanasian Creed. And it expresses all these wonderful truths about our God to clarify who he is and all that he has done for us. Now, I realize that anytime we talk about the Trinity, whether it's today or any other day in the year, we might find it all a bit confusing or maybe even intimidating. Or we may even wonder, well, does it even matter that much? We all believe in Jesus, people might say. Isn't that enough? Well, on one hand, I can't understand why some people may feel that way. After all, when we confess that God is triune, three persons, yet one God, as he has revealed himself in Scripture, it doesn't mean that we can fully understand what that truly means, how it works. It's our, it's our limited minds trying to wrap our mind around a, a limitless God. On the other hand, it is absolutely essential that we confess accurately and truthfully who God is, because if we don't, well, then we might find ourselves confessing a God other than the true God. Like our creed today states, whoever desires to be saved must above all hold the Catholic faith, which means the universal Christian faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. Believing properly about the Trinity isn't only an important thing, it's the only thing. It is absolutely necessary for saving faith, and that's why we dedicate an entire Sunday to the Holy Trinity, not to mention all the instruction, all the abiding in God's word, all the triune invocations of God's name, all the confessions of the creed that take place throughout the entire year. But still, nowadays, there's much confusion about the Trinity, even among Christians. A recent study conducted by LifeWay Research showed that while 70% of Americans do agree that, that God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, more than half of Americans, a majority of Americans, think that Jesus was created by God. That he's not the eternal Son, the one begotten yet uncreated, as Scripture says. In addition, the same study shows that about half of Americans say that the Holy Spirit is more of a, a force rather than a person. And they are at best confused about whether or not the Holy Spirit is actually equal to God the Father and God the Son. 
there's much confusion about the Trinity. But this confusion and lack of biblical truth about the Trinity, it isn't a new or modern phenomenon, actually. In fact, it's exactly what we see happening in our second reading today from Acts, when the Apostle Peter stood up on Pentecost Day and and spoke nearly 2,000 years ago. And and this is still the same sermon that we heard uh, starting last week on the day of Pentecost, as Peter was explaining why people were hearing the disciples speaking about God in all these different languages. What Peter was doing was to begin to explain the triune God and how he works. He began with what we heard last week, explaining that the Holy Spirit, which had been prophesied, is the third person of the Trinity, and he was the one at work that Pentecost day. And then what we hear today, the second half of his sermon, Peter begins to then focus on the second person of the Trinity, the Son. He tells them all about Jesus because in order to rightly understand our triune God, one must know who Jesus truly is. And just like we have today in our society, back then there were many faulty assumptions about who Jesus was. Many people, of course, knew him for his miraculous signs and wonders and miracles. Peter says to that crowd in Jerusalem, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. They all knew that Jesus had performed miracles. That's often why the crowd gathered around him, because they wanted to be healed. They wanted to be freed of their demons. They wanted to be fed bread. But Jesus was more than a miracle worker. Many others came to Jesus because he was a good teacher. In our gospel reading today, Nicodemus starts out his famous nighttime chat with Jesus saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Well, Jesus was indeed a rabbi, a teacher, but Jesus was also more than that. Peter's purpose That Pentecost Day was to tell the people the truth about Jesus and who he was. Peter told them that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan of God. He was raised up from the grip of death, just as David himself had prophesied a thousand years before. And just as everyone who was in Jerusalem could attest, because there were many people there who had seen Jesus alive. And then after his resurrection, Jesus ascended into heaven. And when he entered the throne room of God, the coronation of the king who had defeated sin and death and the devil, then the scripture that David had also written was finally fulfilled. The moment when God the Father speaks to God the Son and says, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. 
And it is from this position of kingship and power and authority at God's right hand that Jesus then fulfills his promise to the disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit, pouring out the Spirit on all believers, which again, everyone there was able to see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears exactly what Peter was talking about. There was no denying it. Peter was preaching powerfully that the evidence was laid before them and that they were all witnesses that Jesus was more than a teacher. He was more than only a miracle worker. He was more than only an earthly king. He was much more than they could have ever imagined or believed or confessed on their own. Let all the house of Israel therefore know, Peter concluded, that God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Christ, the descendant of David, the Savior of the world. And Jesus is also Lord, not just some Lord, but the Lord, the God of the Old Testament, the name above all names, the one who is currently reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father as the Son of God himself. And the one who will come again one day to judge both the living and the dead. And then finally, Peter says, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, this Jesus, who as we've discussed, is clearly both Lord and Christ, the almighty and eternal second person of this Trinity, this Jesus is the one whom you decided to crucify. How do you think they took that news? When they realized we just murdered the second person of the Trinity, the very Son of God. Well, the book of Acts tells us they were cut to the heart when they heard this. And they said to the apostles, what shall we do? You see, when we get the Trinity wrong, when we fail to confess the true nature of any part of Father, Son, or Holy Spirit, when we fail to confess that Jesus of Nazareth is both Lord and Christ, then we too are guilty of making Jesus less than he is. And when we make Jesus less than he is, we too are guilty of putting him up there on the cross, not physically or literally as Peter's audience had been, but make no mistake, our sins helped crucify the second person of the Trinity. He bore the weight of our sins on that tree. And you might say, well, when do I make Jesus less than Lord and Christ? Well, any time that we live or act like Jesus isn't Lord, isn't the one with all authority at the right hand of God, isn't the one that we owe our eternal allegiance, then we too are guilty of supposing Jesus to be someone other than he is when we sin. When we sin, what we're really saying is Jesus isn't Lord. Otherwise, I wouldn't speak to other people like this. 
When we sin, what we're really saying is, Jesus isn't Lord. Otherwise, I wouldn't treat my parents without respect, or my spouse without love, or my children without care and nurture. When we sin, what we're really saying is, Jesus isn't Lord. Otherwise, I wouldn't spend my time, spend my energy, spend my money only for my own gain instead of my neighbor's. When we sin, what we're really saying is Jesus isn't Lord. Otherwise, I wouldn't overlook the needs of my neighbor next to me. When we sin, what we're really saying is Jesus isn't Lord. Otherwise, I wouldn't assume that I'm the one in charge of my own life. We may confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, but our heart And our hands and our actions often can tell a different story. Do we faithfully confess at all times that Jesus is Lord? And in our sin, the answer is no. But you see, that's precisely why Jesus came. Jesus Christ was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, which included, as Peter says, being killed at the hands of lawless men. And Jesus told Nicodemus that one night, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus knew that he had come to die at the hands of those who would deny him as both Lord and Christ, and he willingly did it for you and for me and for all those who make him out to be less than he is because that's why he came. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are among those sinners of this world, among those who are the deniers of the lordship of Christ, those who make faulty assumptions about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we are at the same time God's very precious saints who have been saved by him, who have been adopted into his family as his children. And this is all only possible because of who he is. And that is why we have a Holy Trinity Sunday. It's because we have a Holy Trinity God. We confess God the Father who created us and loves us so much that he would be willing to send his Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We confess God the Son who is both Lord and Christ who graciously sacrifices himself for us and now he rules over all things, rules over our lives as our merciful King even when we don't act like he does. But when we repent, he always welcomes us back each and every time with the free flowing forgiveness that he won for us at the cross. And he sends us 
God, the Holy Spirit, whom we confess has been at work in our lives ever since we were born of water and the Spirit in baptism. Peter told that crowd after they were cut to the heart and they were in despair, he told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people that day, people who were guilty of crucifying Jesus Christ, were in fact baptized and forgiven and saved. We too have been baptized into Christ, which means we too are recipients of the holy and precious work of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this Trinity Sunday... This is indeed who and what we confess. Not because we have got all figured out. We couldn't even if we tried. And not because we deserve him in any way. No, just the opposite. It's because our triune God has shown us who he graciously is and what he graciously does in love for us. The God who has given of himself freely so that we may be saved, so that we may confess him in truth, so that we may live with him forever. We are not perfect. We are sinners. But we are forgiven. And we are children of God. And therefore, we are privileged now to bear the name of our triune God out into a world that does not yet know him for who he truly is. And you see, that's where our work comes in. We get to do that. That's our job. May all the saints here at Christ our King always show Celine, always show our world, how wonderful it is to know, how wonderful it is to believe in, how wonderful it is to confess our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Oh,